0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: join once again on the grand old history podcast by celtic author and historian david potter Uh, david is also the author of charlie gallagher's biography and What a player. Charlie was uh, not only a Celtic great, but a Glasgow Irish great who sadly passed away recently. And we've been missed by all. And we were lucky enough to have both uh, many conversations with Charlie, but you were also lucky enough to see him in the flesh playing. um, Something, something we never got. Um, So thanks very much, David, for joining us for a chat. Um, I've spent time in Charlie's company, as I says, uh, an emotional interview done in Ballymena when he spoke about being captain for Ireland, the first um, Glasgow um, player and the first non-Irish-born player uh, to, to play for Celtic. And he was there along with his good friend, John Fallon. And, you know, so, as I said, I've had the pleasure of being in his company and a lovely, you know, not only was he, you know, a great of Glasgow, a great of Celtic, but he was just a lovely person and, and very modest about his achievements in the game. You wrote the biography. You know, what was your impressions of Charlie and you also seen him playing?
2: Well, um, just the way, just exactly what you're saying there, um, I think, because, Andrew, because um, he was indeed a very modest man and a very very quiet-spoken man, by no means what you think of a, a professional football player. I mean, usually our professional football players are often a bit, tough and a bit brusque and so on. But uh, Charlie wasn't. He was a, he's a quiet-spoken, uh, nice man. And you really uh, possibly wouldn't even believe what a, a great football player he'd been um, uh, simply because he, he didn't really boast very much about himself at all. And uh, he was he was just really a total gentleman and uh, in, in a way, that sort of reflected the way that he played the game because he he was always keen to avoid the, the hurly-burly of the game, you know, the hard tackles, things like that. That wasn't for him. And he was usually a good enough player and a skillful enough player to avoid all the hard tackles. And uh, the way that he could pass a ball was just Absolutely tremendous. He he seemed to be able to almost curl the ball around a defender and find someone like uh, Bobby Lennox. Bobby Lennox in particular, I seem to remember, getting quite a lot of goals from Charlie because, of course, uh, Bobby Lennox needed the ball uh, several yards ahead of him. Unlike Jimmy Johnson, who preferred at his feet, uh, Bobby Lennox needed several yards ahead of him. and, And Charlie was able to read this and Charlie was able to understand that, and uh, as I say, he was just such a—he uh, was such a lovely player to watch. Um, you could sit in a stand or stand in the terrace and and just admire the way that uh, he could get in position for a ball, and once he had the ball, he knew more or less exactly where he wanted to put it. And uh, there's other things about him as well, of course. Um, uh, he was. Uh, he wasn't, didn't seem to be the fastest of player, but he had a good turn of speed um, as well. Uh, and of course, uh, he could take corner kicks. Uh, the uh, two famous ones, uh, one against Vojvodina and the one that started all against then um, Infermline in the Scottish Cup final of 1965. But in some ways, I think my favourite corner kick that Charlie Gallagher took was against Morton. One day, I think it was January the 25th, 1964, in a Scottish Cup game, when Morton were running away with the second division championship. They were, you know, 20 points ahead of anybody else. And they were clearly uh, coming up. They were a very good side under Hal Stewart. And Celtic in 1964 weren't all that great. They were improved from recent years, but they still weren't all that great and a cup tie, Morton versus Celtic, and a lot of people thought we were in for a real shock today, but we didn't, um, and uh, Celtic won 3-1, and there was a lovely corner kick that uh, Charlie took, I think it was the middle goal, I think it was the second goal, uh, Took and he scored direct from a corner kick. It was one of the few times in my life I've seen a goal scored direct from, from a corner kick, it was uh, just uh, deceived everybody, and of course it changed the game, and it won the game, won the game for Celtic. And, of course, he's other two corner kicks, well, um, I think I can still envisage him yet dropping across to take that corner kick uh, for the goal that McNeil scored. Funnily enough, as I've possibly said before, I've no clear recollection of the, the ball actually going into the net, but I do remember Charlie Gallagher taking the corner kick in a chat beside me saying, make it a good yin, Charlie. I remember that very well. And then the next thing, of course, McNeil had scored. Uh, some people thought it was Tommy Gemmel who'd scored because from a distance we are away at the other end of the Hamden Terrace, which was a long, long way away. And uh, I mean, the vaguely the same colour hair, so you could easily make a mistake. But of course, it was Billy McNeil. And then, of course, the one against Vojvodina, which have been replayed on television several times as well, many times as well. And um, we're always grateful to Charlie Gallagher for that. Yeah, and his family connection goes to Guidor in, in
1: County Donegal. Um, his good friend, Charlie McGinley, yes, yes, and Charlie boasts that um, he had a junior Gaelic medal, which Charlie, Paddy Crerand or Aidan McGee didn't because their families come from Guidor as well. So All right, they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. from the same street, which is amazing. Paddy Crerand, yes. of course, another one of your favourite ever players and one who broke your heart. But, you know, and and another European winner, a European Cup winner. Um, When you, in your conversations with um, Charlie, because when when I spoke to him for Guido, he was quite emotional. And I've spoke to his nephew, Gaxi, because his dad retired to um, Guido. So it was always very close to the heart. In any of your conversations, did he take you back to Donegal or or, or the family?
2: Not many. He, when pushed, he would t- tell me about his family. But no, he, he was. Um, a, a, I mean, I only really talked to him about football. And he talked about his early days in in Glasgow junior football. I remember him saying to me once: uh, "Once you've been in Glasgow junior football, you have no fear." Because nothing can possibly happen that <laughs> That's not happening in Glasgow junior football. Although the tell me that Ayrshire junior football is uh, is worse. I wouldn't. I don't know about that. But uh, as a man who's refereed Angus junior football uh, games in the past, I know it's pretty tough there. I mean, it's no uh, it's no place for softies. is junior football, and uh, he told me about how he um, actually got on very well with um, Willie Waddle of Kilmarnock. He was an apprentice with Kilmarnock for a while when Willie Waddle of Rangers, ex-Rangers, was the manager of Kilmarnock. You know, he was on a sort of schoolboy apprentice thing. And you got on very well with uh, with Willie Waddle and talked very highly of him. But, of course, Celtic Park was the place that uh, that he wanted to be. Indeed, a garbles boy,
1: And, uh, you know, steeped in, in the Glasgow Irish. And I saw some lovely tweets um, when he passed away from... People in Glasgow about you know had proud the Glasgow Irish wear of him not only you know his achievements as Celtic but the fact that you know, he came home and pulled on the green jersey. The the was um, David. It, it must have been a, a tough place to grow up, but it must have been. Um, they must have been, his neighbours and that must have been so proud of him when he made his debut for Celtic.
2: Oh, yes, I think they were. I think that uh, the Gorbals, of course, was always um, well-known as uh, very much a, a Celtic-supporting area of, uh, of Glasgow. And uh, uh, they always said, you know, when Celtic won something uh, in the late 40s and early 50s, which wasn't all that often, but, for example, the 1951 Scottish Cup and the Coronation Cup of 1953, there was dancing in the streets of the Gorbals. And I mean that was literally true. People would dance in the streets of the Gorbals, apparently with uh, people playing accordions and all sorts of musical instruments and so on. It was such a such an emotional thing for um, for the Gorbals and and, and 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 for Celtic and for the Irish community in Glasgow. Yeah, and I think
1: if memory serves me right, from I'm, I'm going to have to dig out the interview. I'm not even sure what issue it appeared in the fans in, but I'm going to have to dig it out because I think he he spoke about Celtic winning in Hampden. And him running out as a child to greet the team coming through the garbles. So uh, yes. I'm going to have to dig that one out because I can't see references far um, elsewhere. And you know, it's just a pity that you know, every conversation you know you had with the likes of Charlie and John Farnett that you don't record them because you get some gems even even outside the pills office. You know, oh, when they're holding court, and you know Jim McCalliog, the you know ex-Man United FA Cup winner.
2: You know, these yeah, boys yeah, yeah. Are
1: hanging around, and as well as that, you've also got you no know, Tommy Staves and Charlie McGinley, um, and and a few others there, and they're just like they're just full of you know, conversation, and they tell you about different away games over the years and different names, yeah, yeah. different players, and just just a wealth of knowledge. Now, and I'm no spring chicken now. I'm I'm heading. I'm in my fiftieth year. Well, my birthday's coming up soon, David, but I feel. I feel like a schoolboy when I'm in that company because I'm in awe of some of the stories they're telling me, and, oh, yeah. um, so, so. and how well that they can get these stories across in without sounding like it's actually, they're actually talking about themselves.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. About yes. About so, someone else. It's part of the match Day experience of Celtic Park, which I've missed very much these past 18 months, I must say. I think it's, uh, and I look forward to meeting some of them, although they're depleted now. I mean, there are people like uh, like John McLaughlin would turn up, you know, and Charlie, Mag- Charlie McGinley, um, as you say, and Jimmy Fox, people like that. You know, they are uh, guys whom I know well and who are uh, you know absolutely steeped in Celtic, far more so than even the likes of myself, who I'm... Um, from the east of Scotland, you know I'm not from Glasgow, so uh, I, I'm not as steeped in Celtic as what uh, uh, that's what I want to be, to be honest. That's what I want to be, um, and uh, but uh, it's so great to listen to uh, to, to what they say, and then I'll, I'll miss Charlie uh, very much because uh, Charlie was he would come along and uh, he would never if you asked him something he would talk to you. Uh, and he was always glad to see you and he asked how your family were and things like that. And he was a, he was a very sensitive soul uh, apart from anything else. And of course, latterly, when he, he wasn't well, I mean, we missed him, we missed him quite a lot. You know, so. yeah, and like, I, have some, I have some lovely
1: memories of, of Charlie. He attended a, a, one of our St. Margaret's dinner dances over in Ireland. I think it was him and John Fallon. And uh-huh. I I think, I'm not 100% sure if John Hartson's room, but there was there was a more modern footballer there, and Charlie was just, I remember meeting him out, and he, there was a little wooded area, and he was there for a stroll, and I met him, and here I am on my own, you know, with this famous person who who's played for, you know, my country and, and my club, and yeah. just to, just to have moments like that, you know, to, to remember him by and the, the stories he was telling me, and so like, when you met him, he wasn't always talking football. He'd be asking a bit, you know, as you say, "How are you doing?" and
2: yeah, so, "How's your yeah.
1: body?" and you know, yeah. "Big Fallon's over there giving out." You know, that was one of his one of his lines. But like, yeah. and as I said, the interview in Balmain was he was quite emotional that night talking about um, his career, which was um, which was which was lovely to capture, um, and it was captured on by pen and paper, which is a pity because you know we didn't have the recording equipment we have now that we can bring along and, and do at these things. But a lovely memory I have of him, David, is um, before I knew him, uh, the fanzine had just started and I was selling selling outside the grounds and he came up, he was driving a taxi at the time, he mm-hmm. mm-hmm. told me he he was just parking his taxi, didn't tell me who he was, I knew who he was, um, and he said, oh, just trying to get the car parked, and he, it was a quid then for the, for the fanzine, a pound, he took his pound out, he gave it to me. You know, like he was getting it for nothing, but he insisted on paying. Uh And then when he walked away, another elderly gentleman came over and said, do you know who that is? And I said, I think I do, yeah. And he said, that's the famous Charlie Gallagher. He says, keep that pound, you know. And it was just (laughs) lovely that a player of such stature would come up to to a nobody, you know, just a normal Joe Soap. Because he obviously thought, yeah, I can read that in the cab later now. And then, within a couple of uh, months, I, I'd met him at a function and we'd become, we'd be, we'd be kept in contact and um, he, he just was, you know, and I kind of, I always felt, you know, for the Lions that didn't play in the final, that they were kind of excluded at times from, you know, that famous iconic image and because, you know, if we had the one in Seville, I don't think anyone would have said that John Hansen wasn't part of that team yeah, because, yeah, it, yeah, you know, it was, it was his goals that got us there and, I just think, you know, like I had Gareth Southgate talking in the Euros the whole time about the squad, the squad, the squad, and the players that weren't playing them. Yeah, I just yeah. wish that John Fallon, Charlie Gallagher, Yogi Hughes, and all those, all those great players, John McBride, that didn't play in that final in Lisbon got the, the respect that I think they, they fully deserve.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Because, of course, it was, um, Charlie played a, a large part in getting them to Lisbon. I mean, not least with the corner kick against Vojvodina. But he played in a few other games as well that season. And uh, um, uh, put it this way, uh, uh, what stopped them getting in the team was Bertie Auld. But when Bertie Auld was injured or out or Bertie got suspended now and again and Charlie was in the team, there was no great difference to the team's performance. You know, they were were just as good. And of course, Charlie came very good in um, 1968, which in in some ways is my favourite uh, Celtic Championship when uh, Bertie Ald was long-term injured from about uh, February onwards and Charlie came in in the inside uh, left position and uh, uh, basically Celtic were way behind Rangers um, in the league at that point. They'd lost at, um, sorry, they'd drawn against Rangers on uh, January the 3rd, the time that John Fallon, um, unfortunately for John, let in two goals Uh, which Celtic would have won. but And Celtic didn't have to play Rangers again that season in the league. And so they were just dependent on other teams beating Rangers or Rangers cracking. And, of course, this is exactly what happened because uh, Celtic played inspired football that year. Um, They played so well that uh, Rangers, you actually almost saw them beginning to crack. When uh, Celtic won their game after game after game, in particular, there were four away games, at, w- at which I was at all four of them. Uh, one was at uh, St Johnston, one was at Dundee United, one was at Hearts, and one was at Aberdeen. And uh, these four grounds are, are very difficult ones to go to. And normally in any season, you would lose uh, at least one game there or he would draw a game perhaps in one of these four uh, four venues but not this particular year because they just played absolutely outstanding football. The game at newton Park against St. Johnson won I think it was a Monday night if I remember correctly for some reason and uh, they were just absolutely brilliant and it was Charlie Gallagher who orchestrated it all. It was just sublime to watch Charlie uh, that, particular, um, that particular night. And uh, St. John's, remember, in 1968 were uh, no bad side. There was people like Henry Hall. And, of course, the following year, they reached the final of the Scottish League Cup and so on. But that was just part of what 1968 was all about. Um, And it was all about Charlie Gallagher's championship. And uh, I think he deserves any amount of praise uh, for that and although you mustn't ever say uh, I mean I don't like saying it was one man that won the league for us and so on as a team effort nevertheless I'm quite happy on occasion to single out the player and in particular Charlie Gallagher of 1968
1: Yeah there's a, there's a wonderful article you know about that um, and we put it up on the website this week so if any of viewers want to go in and read in detail about that season it, it, mm-hmm. really is, it really is a great article and there's also um, a long read up Chapter from your book um up on yeah. up up the website as well, and that's really well worth oh. reading. If anyone else wants to um delve into into a bit more about Charlie, especially if we've younger viewers or listeners, but there were so many yeah. career highlights um for Charlie at, at Sadly because you know he come in at a time when you no know, Sadler weren't the best, and then he he was there for you know golden years, you know.
2: Yes, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That,
1: yeah. And that's why, that's why we're paying tribute to Charlie because that's, you know, the person he was, the player he was, and, and the time he played. His era was the most successful era in Celtic's history.
2: What I give him a lot of credit for as well is that he survived, and he used the word advisedly, he survived the bad days when celtic were run by a man called bob kelly the chairman who for all his admirable qualities in other respects he knew very little about football tactics he knew very little about actual football you know, unlike Jock Steen, who clearly did, and that was all the difference when Jock Steen came along. But uh, Bob Kelly was able to uh, get his own way over Jimmy McGrory and suggest this and suggest this and thinking about it with the teams and so on. And poor Charlie Gallagher, for example, played in the uh, Scottish Cup final of 1961 on the wing and he was not a winger. He was just simply not a winger. Uh, uh, Willie Fernie played alongside him, and Willie Fernie was good, but Charlie Gallagher was, was just not a he, he was a player, and I think we could all see that there was a future there someplace, but uh, not on the wing. And uh, then, of course, in 1962, 1963, uh, things went from bad to worse. And uh, 1964, he was beginning to come back again, Charlie. 1964 to 5, he had a few games as well. And uh, he earned his place in the 1965 Scottish Cup final team against Inferman by a brilliant performance in the Scottish Cup semi-final replay one Wednesday night, 31st of March, if I remember correctly against Motherwell. Uh, The team uh, without Gallagher had played very badly on uh, Saturday and had been lucky to get off with a 2-2 draw. And then Steen brought uh, Charlie in for the replay and uh, he just took uh, command. And Celtic won very comfortably uh, 3-0 on the Wednesday night and that was good enough uh, to get them a a place in the Scottish Cup final. But that particular spring, Steen's first spring, he kept playing about with the team, and you kept getting the lesson that if Gallagher was playing, Celtic played well. For example, they lost four-two to Hibbs at Celtic Park, and then about a week later, maybe it was two weeks later, against the same opposition against Easter Road, they beat Hibbs 4 0 And the difference was, of course, Charlie Gallagher, and Charlie Gallagher made all the difference, and uh, he was picked for the um, the Scottish misgivings about playing Bertie Auld and Charlie Gallagher in the same team on the grounds that they were very much the same player, uh, as it were. And in fact, the, they had, that particular game they had three excellent midfield players in Bobby Murdoch, who was uh, uh, you know, a right half, Charlie Gallagher and Bertie Auld, which left deficiencies elsewhere in the team. And apparently, Jock Steen said afterwards they'd had uh, misgivings uh, about having Gallagher and Old in the team at the same time. But they were both good enough and they both did very well to that particular day. And, of course, that was the day which really changed things for Celtic in uh, in 1965. So, uh, I think we we'll owe an awful lot for to Charlie Gallagher in that respect. Yeah, and as
1: you, as you said earlier on, the, at the famous corner kicks, you know, there was like... They've been, they've been. I've seen them replayed on on, on the um, on the internet this week and on social media. Indeed. I think Celtic TV done a little tribute, and it was it was lovely to see um, the players wearing the black armbands in honor of Charlie because you know he he yes, would have been yes, humbled. Yes, you know. He would have been humbled because you know he wasn't. You know, him and Bertie were fighting for the jersey, but they were two different characters. Like you know, Bertie is a, a, a
2: totally you know, yeah. yeah
1: you know, it, it kind of laps it up whereas, you know, laps up the, the fame and 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 so he should. But Charlie was kind of I wouldn't say he was slightly embarrassed by the whole thing, but you know, he didn't he very seldom he would get up
2: and speak. Yes, yes indeed, yes indeed. Whereas whereas the problem with Barry Old and, and John Fallon is getting them to stop speaking. <laughs> I mean there's no problem in getting Barry you know, to get them to speak. The they'll both speak. I mean they've both been to our um uh, dinners in our club in Kirkoddy and they've both uh, held the floor for hours now when we're wanting on to, to something else you know <laughs> nobody had the courage to quite say that but Charlie was I was so different he was just like as, as they kept saying about Jimmy Quinn and that long ago he was just like an ordinary man I mean you would you would pass Charlie Gallagher uh, in the street and just that he's just an ordinary Glasgow man Whereas you would hear Barry Old saying, "I'm Barry Old and I played for Celtic," and you would certainly hear John Fallon saying, "I'm John Fallon and I played for Celtic." You know, it would certainly you would be in his company for about five seconds uh, before he managed to work it into conversations. <laughs> 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 but uh, Barry Old, but uh, Charlie Garth, a totally different uh, man. And funnily enough, um, I uh, several times I went to Charlie's house uh, and uh, his wife. Uh, Mary, Mary Rose, I think her name is, uh, uh, a fascinating character in her own right, because she used to be uh, an, an opera singer, uh, not in the professional stage, but in the amateur stage. She was an amateur uh, uh, singer, and she was taking parts like, for example, Katisha in the Mikado, you know, the one on a tree by a river, a little, tom, that, that one, apparently she sang that one. So she was a, she was an amateur opera singer. Fascinating character in her own right. She was a, a lovely lady. She still is a lovely lady. And, of course, uh, his daughter, Claire, is the headmistress of St. Moden's High School in uh, in Stirling. So, uh, I mean, the family has done very well for themselves. And, uh, and uh, I mean, apart from the fact that uh, uh, Charlie played for Celtic, he's a, there's a lot to be proud of and happy about in that family as well. A lovely family.
1: Yeah, and then, I think it's, it's so unusual to have, you know, like, if you get have one good footballer in a family, it's, it's, you know, it's good. But then if you're if your first cousin, from the, you know, living in the garbles and from, you know, family from Guido, you know, both Celtic players, yeah. both in the team at the same time. And... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A, a, and both, you know, yes. Charlie, you know, featured in Celtic's run for the European Cup. And then... Yeah. I'm sure Paddy Creventhal Jesus, what did I leave Celtic for? You know, I could have won the European Cup, but yeah, in the yeah. following year he wins yeah, it yeah. with
2: Manchester United. So, amazing yeah, yeah, story about yeah, yeah. the family. Of course, if, if, um, if uh, Jock Steen had been the manager of Celtic, Pat Craven would never have gone. Would never have gone. He would never have left Celtic. Uh, he would never have gone to Manchester United or anyone else in the world, I don't think. But if Jock Steen had been the manager, and but you wouldn't course, have been uh, broken. I wouldn't have been quite so heartbroken. Yes, a, uh, for
1: that has not heard David speak before. Um, Paddy Croydon was, was was I think his first Celtic hero, and he was devastated oh. when when he left the club. Um, oh, I, I We said earlier on um, that we spoke about the pool's office and who holds court there, and I, I forgot to say Jim Ward is there as well. Jim's great, great yes. character. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, but I, I'd like to just. Um, you know, pass on my deepest condolences to to all Charlie's family. Um, yes. I've been in contact with Gagsy, who was his nephew, and he was, he was just so proud of of his of his uncle. And yeah. like Tommy Stevenson, uh, very was very good to Charlie, um, bringing him around and that. And of course Charlie McGinley and Big John Fallon was you know the double act, you know, the the, the quiet man and, and the and the not so quiet man. And then, and and as I said, you know, Jim McCallie, former man United, you know, the man who scored the goal against England when Scotland unofficially became world champions. He he put up a lovely tribute as well this week on on social media to Charlie. So I think Charlie would be humble, David, but I'm going to leave the the final word to you about Charlie. If you can just sum up Charlie from, you know, his career and and his life.
2: Um, I would say that in some ways, Charlie Gallagher is the microcosm of Celtic in the sense that he's of Irish origins, as Celtic were, and after a struggle, after a struggle, he came good. Now, Charlie's struggle was, of course, in the early 60s when the club was badly, badly managed, when Charlie, a man of undoubted talent, undoubted talent, didn't really get a chance to produce the talent, simply because he kept being mocked about so much by, by horrendous and eccentric and bizarre team selections. But he stuck to it. 1963, when Charlie was not getting a place in the uh, Celtic team, was when we lost 3-0 in a Scottish Cup final replay to Rangers, the time that the Celtic end evaporated after Rangers scored the third goal. 60,000 turned their backs on Celtic. Now, that was devastating enough for us. What must have been of, uh, what must it have been like for Charlie Gallagher, it was a young player who wasn't even good enough to get into that team, apparently. But he stuck to it. He worked hard. He gradually found his way back. He uh, was there when Jock Steen arrived he eventually won over Jockstein. Jockstein occasionally you got the impression, Charlie thinks that uh, Jockstein didn't always uh, like him. I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, he was certainly good enough uh, to uh, place part in uh, Lisbon Triumph, and certainly he played his part in the 1968 Championship. He then actually disappeared uh, almost immediately after that. It was almost as if that was meant to be Charlie's a role in life to win the championship for Celtic in 1968. And I certainly would never minimise the contribution that he's made uh, to Celtic Football Club. But he also symbolises Celtic Football Club in another way. It's the kind, compassionate, loving part of Celtic Football Club. Now, I know there's some unpleasant things that have happened at the club. We know that. But there's also the other side as well the nice side, the compassionate, the humanitarian side. And I think in many ways, Charlie Gallagher encapsulates that. I think, uh, I think Charlie Gallagher possibly deserves uh, any place that anyone cares to give him in the pantheon of great Celtic players and great Celtic men.
1: Well, David, I'm going to leave the last word with you.
2: Charlie, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Charlie Galton. R.I.P.